Welcome to Affinia, a community of thousands of cybersecurity executives and vendors. In this show, we interview senior go-to-market leaders to find new actionable tactics, insightful tips, and best strategies. For more information, check out Affinia.com. And now, welcome to the show. Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. As we begin, can you say a few words about your current role and what you've been up to? Yeah, thanks, Misha. First of all, thank you very much for having uh, having me on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm Tom Richards, and I am the Chief Marketing Officer at Ninja. We do cybersecurity awareness training. So uh, for your listeners who aren't completely sure what that is, we create training for end users, so normal people like you or me who aren't technical people, on how to, uh, how to implement uh, safer practices online as well as a simulated phishing platform for for uh, security practitioners to ensure that we that that folks on the on the tail end of that the end users are actually learning and uh, improving their security online interesting and um, as chief marketing officer what kind of functions report to you oh uh well you know i i run all of the marketing functions uh so everything from Demand gen, um, content development. We do uh, a ton of reporting and tracking, of course, um, and uh, and recently branching into really sort of building out along with my partner in sales uh, our outbound, all of our outbound tools, um, and uh, driving a lot of uh, a lot of business through that channel. Interesting. Uh, so yeah. it's. It's, it's interesting because sometimes we, we talk to people and they say, oh, the SDR team reports to, to marketing function. There is no um, kind of one true way. Uh, and it, a lot of people find it a little bit novel because usually it reports to up uh, sales sales function. And I wonder, are you kind of splitting the responsibility? Which which way? Uh... Well, you know, that's it, it's great. And we've had that, this conversation internally as well. We've had uh, other teams that reported to sales and then reported to marketing and, and, and we've done a reset on that. And the way we're approaching it now is with the marketing team building out a lot of the toolkit, a lot of tool sets mm-hmm. around, um, around what's needed because we're, we're basically hitting a reset on our outbound program. Uh, we're in charge of the tool sets. We're going to build a lot of the uh, foundational cadences and, and, and all of that. And then it, uh, the operations of that and the responsibility for, for actual outcomes on that will move to our sales group mm. um, with our head of sales uh, because he'll push that through uh, SDRs and AEs who will be responsible for, for delivering the outcomes from that. So again, like how marketing and sales often works in a, in a SaaS organization, uh, the way I like to think about it, marketing's teeing it up for sales to hit it long and hit it straight, right? And we're, we're doing the same sort of thing here. Makes sense. So essentially marketing will be telling the story through an email cadence, but then the SDR will actually be booking calls and meetings for, for demos and um, discovery conversations. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we, we find it a, a great place where, where sales and marketing find uh, collaboration, mm-hmm. um, where we have some combined KPIs on, um, on where we want to get to to drive, uh, to drive business for the organization. Yeah, I understand. How did you get in cybersecurity? What was the? I noticed. I think you had some agency work in your, in your past. What was the first, uh, the first cybersecurity door that you knocked on? This show is brought to you by Afinia, where we host one-on-one virtual executive briefings between cybersecurity subject matter experts like yourself and thousands of CISOs in our community. To host a briefing of your own, go to Afinia.com and click sign up, or click the link in the show notes.
Now, back to the show. Yeah, you know, I did. I started in uh, in consumer marketing, working with a lot of big brands that you've heard of uh, on the agency side, Apple, Starbucks, Expedia, you know, these massive, massive, fantastic brands. And I, um, I, I started, uh, I had a lot of success there uh, where I was able to start my own small agency. And one of my clients was Ningio. So, um, you know, started very small with a, Hey, you know, let's just test and see how it goes, see how it find how it works with the, uh, with the founder and, um, you know, success begat more success, more success, more success to the point where the, the founder actually, um, uh, sold the company. Um, and as part of that, the, the private equity group that came in their, their key goal was really all around go to market. Right, uh, they find something that works really well, add a lot of money for go to market, build it up a lot. And uh, the founder asked me if I would kind of end what I was doing and come full time here with Ningio. And you know, I couldn't say yes fast enough. When you find a product that works really well as a marketer, you, you know, half your half your job is done for you. Um, it's really hard to market something that's not great. When you, but the flip side of that, when something is great, it's a real tailwind in the work that you do. Yeah. Well, if you wanna you wanna hitch a ride on a rocket that's going far, not not the one that's being built. I yeah. mean, it's a different different risk profile. Obviously, you're t you're taking different yeah. chances, but but uh, to your point, if something is already proven, and and especially if you spend time working on it, you, you kind of you, you're on the inside already. You know, you don't exactly. need any due diligence, uh, any further due diligence. Awesome. Yeah. When you go ahead. And it's it's interesting because I think cybersecurity in general it's kind of such a growing space. It's probably a testament of a much bigger role that technology is playing um, in all our lives, and personal level, and company level, and government level, and just how much more dependent we're we're on that. And I think as a result, a lot more people are looking at a cybersecurity marketing as a career, whether switching from from B two C to B two B, or from technology marketing to cybersecurity, or from agency work to go on in-house. Uh, what would be your advice for someone who's maybe earlier in their journey and just kind of looking at the space? Uh, it's, there's so many, so many things, so many distractions, so many shiny panties, uh, and so many things you wish you knew. What would be your advice from, <laughs> from your um, vantage points to someone who's just starting on this, uh, on this path? Well, you know, I think my my advice to somebody who wants to get into cybersecurity marketing specifically would be very similar to any vertical that somebody's interested in. And the first thing uh, I would ask myself is, why do I want to get into that vertical? Is it do I have a passion for that for for some reason, mm -hmm. um, or at least an aptitude? Right? You, you know, you don't have to do what you love; you should do what you're good at. And if you have an aptitude for B two B work, I think that um, cybersecurity is a great place to go because it is a growing uh, it, it, I don't think it's going, it's going to stop growing anytime soon. Mm -hmm. But in that, you know, uh, for early career people, I always suggest if you can find the best people to work for, so your VP, your director, your CMO, whoever it is, that is a, a, a good person and is interested in helping you grow your career and helping you actually learn and uh, whether you're going to grow in that company or not, um, but somebody who can be a, a, a mentor uh, or at least somebody who's interested in your personal growth. And, and this has been my path to success. I've worked for 
so many great people who were just really, really intelligent, really would take a moment, explain what was going on. It may have been after hours or before hours, right? You know, that the day's very busy. And because I was able to show that I was actually interested in hearing what they had to say, and I was interested in in the work and growing myself, they took an interest in me being better, and it becomes this virtuous loop. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, you know, we talk about standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, that has been my experience. And if you can find great people as an early career person who who want to invest in your success and are willing to to go as far as you're willing to go on that, you, you can't lose. You really can't. And then if you know if you're in a company that is find great person, bad company, you know, that person's probably going to leave soon and perhaps you can follow them or great person, find a better company, continue to connect with that person and keep them in your, in your circle of folks that you, you refer back to. Um, it, it becomes, it's not a huge, huge world. And really the people who helped us early on are people we can help later in our career and so on and so forth. Certainly, certainly. And kind of, and would you recommend finding a person like this at a large organization where you can get exposed to bigger scope projects or maybe join a rotation program where you go through different different kind of stations if you wish or join uh, a startup whether it's different rounds obviously different stages where you will be forced to wear many hats and but where the the work itself will change like uh, first quick question and the second is how important is being technical is it is it is it important to be technical to be successful in cybersecurity marketing? Given that um, the field itself is fairly technical, well, um, I'll take your first question first. You know, there are benefits uh, to both small and large. I had the benefit of working large, which gave me access to high quality people that I worked for mm-hmm. because they tend to you know attract incredibly high quality people. Um, and I was lucky enough that those people were able to give me some time. Mm -hmm. Um, it meant that I learned early in my career, the right way to do many things. Um, the trade-off with a startup is you might be cutting a lot of corners. You might, um, I shouldn't say cutting corners, but you, you may be doing things in a more bootstrapped way. And as an early career person, you may not be able to recognize the difference between a bootstrap methodology of doing something versus a really more thought through strategic uh, methodology on that. Now, again, if you're working for somebody great, they can explain to you, here's the thinking behind it. Here's how we're going to do it to make it happen quickly and efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's it's about the, the person. So I don't know that there is a single better approach, though my tendency is large if you can find great people with great process because if you know process you can you can change process as you be, get into the driver's seat but if you don't know the right way to do it it's very hard to to get there on your own and i think your second question was around um technical ability and i think in any vertical if you're working in b2b you have to understand the basics of the of of how your product works, how your buyers think about it. And it's going to be technical. Now, I am certainly nowhere near as technical as, as our chief information security officer here um, or our IT group. Like they, they blow my mind, but I have to learn enough to be able to, to hold my own 
you know, uh, if I'm if I'm talking to a CISO, if I'm just even doing research, you know, I'm I'm talking to our you know advisory panel or board member who comes from a technical background, I have to be able to 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 know enough to understand what they're saying, and be able to ask the smart questions. Um, now, the other technical side of that is the technical side of marketing. So, yeah, technical cybersecurity, you got to know the technical side of marketing, as we know, as platforms and, and opportunities become many, much, much more um, uh, technical, uh, data-driven, and the ability to connect very useful tools and understand where where something is weak and where something is strong. Mm -hmm. um, and, and being able to really identify your MarTech stack, you have to be somewhat technical there. Now, you can bring in folks who literally know how to connect that if you don't. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a little bit older, you know, I didn't come up in that world. But as a young person coming up in this, I would highly recommend that you learn some basic, some basic tools and uh, some basic coding, on how to really build all that because there's really nothing better than being able to do it yourself is how you know if somebody is good at what they do or, or maybe a little bit a um, uh, little bit more boastful than their skills represent interesting interesting and for more just to double click on what you mentioned about martech you probably saw those uh it's like a map of uh, the uh, martech vendor landscape and i think when it started it was I don't know, maybe 50 companies and five buckets. And now it's it, it's sprawled to thousands of companies and dozens and dozens of different, different buckets. I think there was kind of overlap, I'm sure. But uh I think a lot of it a lot of it is driven by uh the need for attribution, for data, for analytical approach. Uh, but I wonder because on the one hand, you have this, but on the other hand, I'm sure you must have probably heard this term, um, dark funnels, where you can kind of apply attribution uh, to the last mile, if you wish, right? So if if person is coming to your website and feeling uh, out of form, asking for a demo, well, you see that they typed the company name in Google search. So, well, must we, therefore we must probably increase our advertising with Google. However, and that's that's kind of capturing intent at that stage, and and a lot of companies are focusing on that because it's really uh, identifying someone has an active need. They probably have a budget. They reviewed the landscape. They identified uh, three uh, vendors for their shortlist, and they just need to kind of they're at final stages, and and the yeah. sales cycle will be short. However, uh, what often people realize is that for for this person to self identify and raise their hand, probably they passed by your booth at RSA a year ago, and then they went to grab coffee with a colleague, and then they were in the Slack channel, um, and someone was asking a question about that company, none of which is, there was, there was no attribution for any of that. Often vendors are not even privy to those conversations, and yet they inform and drive decision-making and intent down the line. How do you think about kind of um, balancing the two? On the one hand, investing in tech stack and tools to capture this intent down the line. I'm sure there, there's so many vendors out there, Six Sense, Bombora, G2 Crowds, I mean, for just kind of top of mind. How do you balance that with demand gen side with addressing the needs of someone who's earlier in the customer journey? They're super busy, they need to be educated, but they are kind of, they are a little bit further um, from 
the gravity yeah. is, not, is not as strong. Uh, how, how do you balance kind of those two uh, uh, trains of thought, uh, investing in analytics and tools, but also balancing with the fact that not all of it is subject to attribution? This show is brought to you by Athenia, where we host one-on-one -on -one virtual executive briefings between cybersecurity subject matter experts like yourself and thousands of CISOs in our community. To host a briefing of your own, go to Afinia.com and click sign up or click the link in the show notes. Now, back to the show. Well, you know, I, 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 I apologize in advance. Oh, no, no. Um, you know, that's really where my, my personal experience in working in B2C in a lot of very brand-driven work. So, uh, you know, I started my career, you know, getting people to feel good about brands. Right. And, and I think the world has changed from there. That was 20 years ago. Um, now brands really need to prove it. Right. You, you can explain it, but the proof's in the pudding. You go from I'm interested to I understand this very quickly as a mm -hmm. buyer, whether you're on Amazon or you're a B2B buyer. Right. It doesn't it doesn't really matter that that is completely compressed. So what I do is I try to make sure that Ninjo is spoken well of when we are not in the room, right, is, is the way I think about it. So the ways we do that are a couple of things. One, I work very closely with my CS and my operation team to make sure that our product delivers what we promise. It's the number one thing to, to being able to, to really stand behind something that's a long-term play. Now, if you're your short-term play and uh, you're just trying to pump something up, all right, that's a totally different game, but that's not where we, we play. Two, I put a lot of effort into folks who have an outsized voice within our buying group. So our, our ICB is chief information security officers and maybe people a little below them on bigger companies, maybe a little above them in, in, higher, in smaller companies, but we, we roughly know where that is. And so we know that they're talking to each other, right? And it's tough to, it's tough to manage that. And we really do that through the first point of making sure we have a product that works well. We know they're talking to category analysts so we make an effort to, to speak to our friends at Gartner, our friends at Forrester, our friends at Software Reviews, our friends, you know, across all of these, where it's not just a review site, and I'll get to those, but where they're actually talking to a person and they say, hey, here's my problem. Here's what I'm trying to solve. Here's my opportunity. What do you think? So I put a lot of effort into making sure that they understand what we do. Now, they may recommend us, they may not, depending on what it is. But uh, that's the, you know, brand advertising in an old way of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then, and then uh, making sure that our customers who like us, which is 99.9% .9 of our customers, have a lot of opportunity to share that publicly. Mm -hmm. So we, we incentivize them to, to share their opinion on the G2 and the Gardner peer reviews and source for, you know, all of these, these review sites. Um, and sometimes all it takes, if a customer actually likes the solution is you just have to ask them. So we build programs internally with our customer success team to, Hey, please just remember to ask it's, it's, uh, one of the things we do internally is don't be too humble, right? Um, be humble in the sense of don't be a jerk. But if, if you, if you tend towards humility, push yourself a little bit more towards just asking for the review. Now, the other side of that. Obviously, lots of tools for intent and demand gen and, and search, you know, and, and I think that's where a lot of B2B marketers spend most of their time 
but I've seen a lot of success with, with outside success there when we've done this other work around, you know, making sure the conversation about us is had and is positive when we're not in the room. As I say, that's, that's kind of the way I think about it. It makes sense because it's, and it's interesting that you, uh, you lean on your existing happy clients to kind of create, to create this content because it's from the CISO perspective, it's, very credible because they're they're hearing it from a peer, not not from from a vendor. So it's it's already the the barriers are are down. But also, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that you put a lot of intent in it to to drive that because often people find that someone I saw a stat somewhere that people tend to be ten times more vocal when they're unhappy. Yeah, if if things are good, they. They, they, they usually don't say anything. It's only things when things go right. sideways. You expect the refrigerator to work. I bought it. I put, you plug it <laughs> in and you keep things cold, right? Like Exactly. Like why expected. why would you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, as expected. So it's, it takes a little bit extra to your point to to ask and just to be, to create a structure and, and make it easy for them to contribute that content to the price. That makes well, a lot of sense. We, we do, but we, we also try to exceed expectations, right? Mm -hmm. So yes, the refrigerator keeps things cold. You didn't expect it to tell you what's on your shopping list, right? That might be a surprise and delight thing. We try to do that through our post-purchase post and, and the engagement process as people are working with us. We have mm -hmm. a strong customer success team that is not just making sure you're using it or, or, or replying to your questions, that sort of thing. But being proactive about, hey, here are some of the things that we're seeing that people in a situation similar to yours are seeing outsized growth and success with our solution or, you know, it could be solutions that aren't ours that are tangential. Mm -hmm. And bringing that sort of value to our customers are things that I think they don't necessarily expect from us, but are really very happy about. So it's kind of like extra credit when you were in school. You did a little bit of work and you got a lot of benefit out of that, mm -hmm. really, versus, you know, you got the 10 questions right on the test. The 11th one was worth more than 10%. So, you know, it, it sometimes it just takes a little bit more effort to get an outsized mm -hmm. uh, benefit. And, you know, we have a lot of empathy towards our customers and um, we truly believe uh, in their success. Their success is our success. We're, we're highly aligned. This is across the organization. Certainly, certainly. Uh, switching gears a little bit. So I think of marketing as a, as a toolbox and, and there's so many different tools and I know some organizations, it, it's kind of, it's implied in that, that most of them are used to an extent, but some of them are used more often or, or you're leaning more uh, on them. I know some organizations, they are 95% channel and that's where they put their efforts in. Others say, well, it, we really want to be able to tell our story face to face, and they lean into, you know, the black hats RSAs and the guard yeah. um, identity and security event and and, and others. Um, at some point during COVID, it was all about virtual roundtables and webinars or whatnot. You mentioned that you are uh, you are revamping your outbound um, effort. What are the tools that produce the most results for you right now? Which, which ones are you using most most frequently? Yeah, great question. We found, so we were really based uh, and found early success on direct sales. So because we have a product that is pretty different from our category, we, it wasn't terribly difficult to get hand raisers 
you know, we kind of, we show it, people say, oh, hey, whoa, that's, that's interesting. That's different. I don't know if it's for me, but I know I want to know more about it. So early on, before I ha was in this role with NGO, we were able to get hand raisers and, and we're able to put those straight to, to direct sales folks who sit outside my door, not far from here and, and across the country. Um, and we built a, a very strong program there. Now, um, what we've seen, and, and that's, that's great, and it, it, but it doesn't scale as far as you mentioned channels. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, we have put a dedicated effort over the last two years, um, really as long as I've been here sort of in role, um, to building our channel relationships and, and being able to empower our, our partners to be as dynamic around our product as we are and really understand what it is, build a program that incentivize, incentivizes them to, to want to, um, to sell us. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's good for them. It's good for their business for two reasons. One, it, it, um, they make good money. And two, their customers are very happy with it, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're not interested in selling something that's going to churn in a year and have an unhappy customer. Um, mm -hmm. So we put a lot of marketing effort on that side to explain both sides of, of that world. And then uh, the third thing, you know, the, 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 you know, when the world was shut down and we could only do virtual, it was tough on us and the same as it was for, for everybody. The virtual events, the virtual, you know, they were just, I think, challenging. And what we learned in there is if you don't have something really specific and really interesting to say, you don't really have a play there. And um, you know, we, we learned that after a couple of events and decided, okay, we need to pivot to having something really, really compelling. Now that the world's opened up and we're able to physically go places like RSA, like Black Hat, um, we, we found it to be really, really, you know, very good this year. Um, a lot of excitement from that. I think you've got pent up demand of people wanting to go places to talk to people in person. You've got pent up demand of people looking for something new and interesting, right? Um, which is what what we're where we kind of sit in our market. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to get my my sales folks in front of individuals who um, are, are eager to have the conversation and and are really open-minded about new solutions mm -hmm. because during that time in COVID, it was kind of a hunker down, go with what you know, you know, budgets were tough. We didn't know where the world was going to go. You know, us as sellers, but us as buyers were the same way. Um, so we, we've seen this, this unfolding. So we have, you know, it's been a, a great 2023. We hope 2024 is going to be fantastic as well. You know, I feel like this uh, recession has been a month away for about 18 months now, right? <laughs> to quote uh, uh, Professor Scott Galloway. Um, and, you know, it keeps getting pushed out and pushed out. So, you know, we're hoping, we're, we're planning on 2024 being quite good as, you know, unfortunately, the need for what we do continues to grow. For uh, sure, for sure. For sure, this is uh, very interesting, and I certainly hope to continue this conversation uh, in another uh, venue as well. Tom, I know we're kind of on time just to be respectful. Uh, what's the best way for people to find you? What's uh, what's the best way to connect? Uh, with me, uh, you know, um, my LinkedIn, if you just Google Tom Richards, CMO Ninja, you, you'll find me. I think that's the best place to connect with me, and I, I appreciate everybody who does do that. I get a lot of folks who, who connect with me there. And if uh, somebody's interested in connecting more with Ninja, 
our website has plenty of opportunities, as you can imagine, <laughs> to speak sure. to somebody. So thank you. Tom, thank you. Thank you so much. This was fun. Yeah, it was great. I appreciate the conversation, Misha. Have a great afternoon.